feeling almost as if we're experiencing deja vu this week. Welcome to Hand of Pod. gentlemen um, we are watching San Martin de San Juan versus Estudiantes for the second time in about four days as we record hence that introduction uh, that is to say I don't think most of us actually watched it the first time round um, but they played on I think Saturday in the Primera División and they're playing right now as we record in the Copa Argentina um, so it's a very peculiar experience for us indeed I, when I turned my television on I thought for a minute that they were repeating Saturday's match for some reason, and then realised that they weren't. Uh, I'm Sam Kelly, you're listening to Hand the Pod episode 190, bloody hell. Um, and I'm joined this week by Andres Bruckner. Hello, how are you? By Fede Lopez, is it? Yeah. Canyas. Lopez yeah. Canyas. Exactly, yeah. Very nearly forgot your, your surnames <laughs> there before that, but uh, welcome back, Fede. <laughs> Thank you. And by a very special guest who has been a Hand the Pod listener from the very first episode, and indeed... Uh, one of my best friends in Buenos Aires from very shortly after I moved here, a, a long-term reader of my blog, and somebody, therefore, without whose uh, support in difficult times after I got robbed in La Bombonera two weeks after moving here, <laughs> Handapod might very well not exist. <coughs> Welcome for the very first time, and sorry for taking so long to get you on. John. Hello, all. Johnny, John, which do you prefer for whichever, broadcast purposes? Whichever doesn't matter. There we go. Okay, John Wyatt, ladies and gentlemen. Um, we may as well, since we have a couple of, of relatively new folk go through our Twitter handles, first of all. If you want to follow us on Twitter, you can follow me on H-E-G-S underscore com. You can follow Andres on Andres Bruckner, or one word. You can follow Fede on Fede... God, <laughs> it's really Spanish. F-E-D-E-L-C-A-R. And John is the AC Nightmare. I'm assuming that's Auburn College, right? Eh? Auburn College? Would that be AC? No, no, it's a book by Henry Miller from the 1940s. Oh, okay, there we go. John's Very going to, obscure. John, John's going to be adding a, a new sense of literariness to the podcast. <laughs> what was that, Andres? You were pointing at something. No, no, you have to say me. <clears throat> yes, yes, don't worry. No, I had not, I had not forgotten our sponsors, uh, unlike last week when I did. Um, our alcohol this week is provided by the Argentina Independent, who, as well as being a fine source of alcohol for us, should be considered a fine source of news current affairs, uh, cultural events news and photograph features and all the rest of it from Argentina and across Latin America, all in the English language. You can read them free of charge on argentinaindependent.com or follow them on Twitter at argentinaindy. Thank you very much to them for our fernet and beer um, as a one-off for this week. Um, Let's go through, first of all, as we turn to the results from last weekend, which it's only just occurred to me I need to get up because, of course, last week... We didn't have any results to go over, so we didn't do this, and I'm getting out of practice. Um, and now I've brought the wrong weekend up. That's this weekend coming. Here we go. Right, 15 results from last weekend's Primera action. They are Arsenal de Sarandí, nil. Gimnasia La Plata, one. Estudiantes La Plata, nil. San Martín de San Juan, nil, which incidentally is still the score now. Uh, five days later, I think, because they played on Friday. Um, in Córdoba is where they're playing this match in Instituto Stadium. 
On Saturday, Belgrano de Cordoba beat Argentinos Juniors 2-1. River Plate were held to a 1-1 draw by Tempele. Quilmes lost 1-0 at home to Banfield. Giovanni Simeone getting his um, first goal for Banfield and his first match for Banfield. Union and San Lorenzo uh, played a, a very decent indeed, I thought, 1-1 draw uh, in Santa Fe. Huracan and Defensa Justicia played a very not decent at all, 0-0 draw in Baque Patricios. And Lanús thrashed Atletico de Rafaela 3-0. On Sunday, Nueva Chicago 0, Colón 0. Did anybody watch that? No. Good for you. I didn't either. Can't imagine why anybody would want to. Independiente 3, Olimpo 1. Newell's Old Boys 3, Racing Club 0. Godoy Cruz 3, Crucero del Norte 0. And Sarmiento de Junín 0, Boca Juniors 1. Uh, on Monday there were two matches and those finished Aldo CB 1, Rosario Central 3 and Vélez Sansfield 2, Tigre 2. A match which I missed but I think we should start with because there was a rather dramatic conclusion. Yeah. Oh shit, hang on, before we do, um, let's just remind everybody who we support. I'm a River sympathiser as is Andres uh, and Fede and Johnny both support Boca. So uh, it's a it's shame we're not previewing a Super Classic already. First ever Hannah episode with this. With two Boca supporters, it might be. Yeah. Certainly the first one we've had a 50-50 split, I think. Because you it, came on before with three River fans, didn't you? Uh, uh, no, I was with uh, Mariano. You Mar- two and Mariano. Ah, of course, yeah. Mariano two, two and who, uh, we, we, we were two River uh, supporters, Mariano San Lorenzo supporter, and Julian, who is also Boca supporter, when he was there. But Julian came on the, the, other, the week before, the week before me. Fede did. No, not been on the same episode. They weren't together? Oh, no, they weren't. Yeah. No, no, it was either side of the... League Super Classic, or was yeah, it? Yeah, before the before the, the, the unpleasantness. Yeah, <laughs> with the capital U. Yeah. Um, first of all, however, right, let's talk about the end of Vélez Tigre because I've still not seen any of it, but I gather it was rather dramatic. Does mm. somebody want to fill me in who, who saw it? But, I saw but, the last ten minutes of it. Yeah, I, I didn't see it either, but I I read what happened. So, season, yeah. John, if you saw the last ten minutes of it, of it, tell us what happened. Oh, what Tigre was up two zero. And uh, Vélez had two goals in the last 10 minutes, I think the last 10 minutes, the last 10 or 15. Tigre just went up to there, right? Yeah. Presumably and, just uh, before he switched and then to the Garcia well. broke his ankle or broke his leg after it was 2-1. to one. And not, was, a, not a break. Not a break. He's, he's not broken any bones and he's not ruptured any ligaments, apparently. But ah, he is going to be well, out. It looked for, like that when he went off the pitch. Yeah, he said he was in a lot of pain and he's going to be out for a very long time, but it wasn't as serious as they feared. Apparently. It was a severe sprain or something like that. Still, an injury to Javier Garcia is probably not the you know worst right. thing that could happen to Tigre, in many ways. Yeah, and then there was a handball in the box yeah, at, because, uh, at the death. A defender had to go to the as a goalkeeper. Leandro Gonzalez right. Pires, it was in goal. Right. And then a handball at the death and a PK and two to two and the penalty kick ricocheted off the crossbar and was lucky to go in and there you have it. I read afterwards that Vélez had three shots on target and Tigre had two shots on target. Mm. So um, it sounds like quite a bad match except for that finish, <laughs> which, yes. which sounds much better. Also, Tigre were down to ten men. Um, mm. They had a man sent off in like the first minute of the second half, I think. Uh, uh, Pantaleone. Yeah, the nine right. men when Garcia had to, go, to come off. Right, because they'd use all their subs, of course. Yeah. Um, so that was nice. It doesn't really affect the title race at all, both sides. Well, Team Red could join them, but there are so many teams in the title race and so many teams above them that they're probably not going to, even though they're relatively close to the front runners. The front runners have changed because San Lorenzo, as we said, were held away by Union thanks to a fantastic free kick from Ignacio Malcorra. Um, 
on the stroke of half-time after Sebastián Blanco had, had put San Lorenzo 1-0 up. That was, as I said, a decent match, and um, at the time I didn't think it was a bad result for San Lorenzo, actually, given that Union, not and an easy side to beat. We have this particularity in this is that, is that we have two uh, very decent uh, strikers, not strikers, uh, shooters, to say, in, in a way, uh, with Malcorra, who has scored several goal, uh, free kick goals or at least uh, uh, long distance shots, mm -hmm. and uh, Gervasio Nunez, who is now with like a wet powder, but uh, uh, he's also a great uh, long long distance, and both <laughs> play with number eleven t-shirt, one in Union and the other one in, in Sarmiento de Junín, uh, and what well, it's Malcorra is I think is has proved uh, several times he's. He's good at free kicks, and, and San Lorenzo with that with that draw lost uh, the leadership. Yeah, because of Boca's win on Sunday night, uh, a goal from Sebastián Palacios in the twenty seventh minute. They had to work for it. Um, I don't think even the, the Boca fans here are going to suggest the Boca play uh, spectacular football um, this year, but they're getting the results still, in spite of the fact that we. Um, spent much of the early part of the year criticising, well not criticising exactly, but pointing out that Boca hadn't really played anybody yet, top of the league. For a side who, after, as we say, the unpleasantness of the way that the, the Copa Libertadores ties with River went, and, and who then had a bit of a slump in the league, and you know, were in, in not the best month or two to be a Boca fan, uh, let's say euphemistically, it's not a bad crisis, is it really? Uh, Point clear at the top of the league. Carlos Tevez is back. Tell us about it. What's it like to be a Boca supporter today, Fernando and Johnny? <laughs> if you had me ask, if you had asked me last week, I, I, I'd, I'd agree with you. But I mean, Tevez is back, so I think that that's bigger than a championship. I would say for for me at least. And, uh, right. and the game on Sunday, I mean, Boca had I think spells of good football, like 10, 15 minutes mm. uh, in the first half mostly. And it was uh, the goal was a great pass from Perez, mm. who is uh, who has been I think the, one of the best players last uh, couple of months. And then I mean I think they relaxed and I mean they just waited until the the end of the game. It, we suffered a bit at the at the end. Sarmiento had a few chan chances, but uh, it's a good win. I mean nothing to write home about, but right. yeah, three points. That's, yeah. that's it. I think as well that what Palacios said afterwards about how this, this isn't an easy stadium to come to is it's correct, really. I mean, OK, it, it, Boca, one of the biggest clubs in the country and, and, and so on, but uh, prior to that match, Sarmiento had not conceded at home in one, two, three, three matches. Uh, they've only conceded about four or five at home all year. And, yeah, OK, they're not one of the strongest sides in the league but at the same time that adds a certain amount of pressure on Boca particularly coming back after the winter break when you want to get off to a good start again and so I was I, I, I thought it was a, a decent enough performance from Boca under the circumstances knowing that a win was going to take them top knowing that the, the, the teams who played on Saturday including River of course had, had dropped points which was going to allow Boca to go top but knowing that they had to take that chance um, I thought they did okay yeah and they were without Gargo <clears throat> tough to get used not to play do, do you Gargo. see that as a Negative or a, a positive? Is a negative or a positive for Boca? <laughs> or both. Yeah. <laughs> or both. Uh, yeah. I, th I think it's a negative for Boca without without Gago. In general. Oh, what a goal. 
lovely finish from. Um, sorry to interrupt, Johnny. And it was a horrible pitch as well. That yes. didn't help matters. It was very bad, very bad, very yeah. bad uh, pitch conditions. Mm. But I think Sarmiento, for example, comparing to Crucero North, another uh, team that promoted this year, they have adapted somehow to first division. Mm. As you said, there is there is not the, the biggest one of the biggest sides, but uh, they are they are not easy. They I, I remember that they, they had uh, their debut against River and they suffered logically because it was their first very first match and and it was all new for them. Now they are a bit more at ease and, and, and it wasn't easy for Boca that didn't play brilliantly, but Boca on the other side doesn't they don't need to play very well to win. That's something good for them because uh, they have that like pincelada of Perez uh, with that magnificent pass to, to Palacios who finished very well the, that play because it wasn't uh, it was a, a, a head to head with the with the goalkeeper with Rigamonti uh, and perhaps that was the most uh, the, the best opportunity or the only clear opportunity Boca had in the entire match <coughs> true and they made it a goal so uh, yeah. yeah I think I'm, I'm not too concerned about one game but uh, I think Boca has, has shown that without Gago uh, in several matches they, they lack the creativity to to win most matches and uh, even if okay maybe you have one chance and you, you can score it okay that's great but uh, for me, creating just one chance or two chances in a, in a match is, is, is not very positive. Before and we move on to the obvious uh, cure that has been... Sorry, I should say, by the way, the, the goal that was scored a minute ago is from Satellite Dean, uh, who are now 1-0 up with about two minutes to go until half-time in the Copa Argentina. Before we move on to the obvious cure for that lack of creativity, um, it, it strikes me then that you can't be too impressed with the way that Nicolás Lodeiro has, uh, has played. I mean, I thought he started off quite well but if Boca Very is struggling well. to create chances exactly. then that means that the number 10 is not playing right exactly yeah, yeah. It, it seemed that after the first two or three games that El Vasco moved him over to the left side of the pitch mm-hmm. and Mele has been playing more as the enganche than Lodero and that's one of the things that I haven't really understood about about uh, his strategy uh, yeah there are a couple of things I don't understand I think the uh, he has made I mean, I like him, but he has made some mistakes uh, with formations and with the, the players he, he, he chooses. And, uh, yeah, I think where he places Lodero is, is one of the things I, I don't entirely get. I don't get it either. But uh, I think Lodero's level has, has gone down too. I mean, the first four or three games he was excellent. Right. Uh, one of the best, but I would say. Don't you think that, for example, I am talking about the future, but... <clears throat> Gago as classical number five, he's not a number five classical number five, but playing in that position, Ladeiro, of course, ahead of him, and Tevez. Well, you have to dream about dream on that, and 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 and, and the Arena, no matter the formation or the the the, the, the draw he, he tries to put in the in the in the pitch, there are players that they. Wherever the the place that you put them in the in the in the pitch, they they will go, they will work, and Tevez for especially for Argentinian football because he for example for example Martino tried to put him in a wrong position in the national team and it did did work, but I think for Argentina for Argentina uh, Tevez is 
a, a winner of matches himself. Mm. And, and is of course the cure that I hinted yeah. at a minute ago. He's, he's been brought in. It's been uh, speculated that he's going to basically slot into where uh, Lodeiro played mm-hmm. um, on Saturday and be behind the strikers. Alternatively, Lodeiro could keep that place and Tevez could, could be one of the two strikers ahead of him. Um, but first of all, Fede, you were telling me in the lift when we were coming up that uh, you weren't able to go along on, on Monday when they had mm-hmm. the unveiling. But it was Johnny, did you go? No. It no, was, I was going to. Right? I mean, I, I was out running a pub quiz, but I got back afterwards and saw the pictures on TV and it thought, pretty, I, I saw it on TV. 40,000 people. It was pretty, nearly 50. Yeah. They said. What's the Newcastle? It was the, the full stadium. Yeah. Yeah, it was a full, it was a full stadium. It was, a full yeah, it was quite an event. Yeah. <clears throat> I, I was arguing with, with my friends and I, I would ask the same question here. Is he the best player ever to play in the league? Tepes? I don't know. He's like a top five player in the world. Top five striker in the world. Oh, you mean not ever? Yes, today yes. I, I would say ever. I mean, what player in the history of the league has played that is in this world level? In this. Well, I, I think if, if uh, certainly if we had um, Esteban Becker man here, he'd, he'd look back to the sort of forties and yeah. fifties and the seventies, and that, was, that would be you. You could argue Bocchini maybe. In terms of the gap in quality between him and the average but player in the league, not only the gap, but maybe Maradona would would come to mind, of course, mm-hmm. but. When he left uh, here, he wasn't the, the, the best player in the world yet. I mean, the, the no. first years in Barcelona, he struggled a bit, and then he became Maradona, the, the one we all know. And Riquelme, when, when he came back, he was I mean, he was fantastic here, but he wasn't that great a player in Europe. I mean, he wasn't a top-five player, as much as a doctor. So, uh, I, I don't know, I, I have to go back to the, I don't know, to the, the Stefan River or Bocchini, maybe, in the 70s, but... Yeah. But then again, Esteban would even tell you that Di Stefano, when he was at River, very similar to Maradona. Exactly. Barca, wasn't, you know, he was struggling to, to make it through, and it was only when he went to Colombia that was uh, yeah, no, solidified I mean. that. But um, no, I, I think that the sort of recognised golden age of Argentine football would be the, the 40s, and I'd be surprised uh, if Tevez was, I mean, as good as some of the, the top guys who were around then. Um, <laughs> at least in, in modern in football. Of, yeah. It's, yeah. For the last 40 years, I don't know if there's ever been a top 5, top 10 player in the world playing in the league. What is, mm. I think what mm. is incredible in this case, particular case, case uh, Tevez, uh, talking about Tevez, is you, you see Aymar retiring and, and, and Tevez coming to Boca when he's at his best uh, time of the career, of his career. And yeah, yes, uh, you, might, you, you, you must say it's... Uh, the previous of, of he has not played any single match, but he he will and and, and yes, expect, expectations are big and, and 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 what I agree with a lot of people saying that this brings uh, something very good to Argentine football is not a River is not a, uh, smiling with Tevez coming to Boca, but uh, for it's a something a lesson for other players that come to Argentina like Aymar with 35 years old uh, trying to recover from a long-term injury and they can't and they have to retire. That's yeah, um, and we'll get on to Aymar retiring yes. a little later in the show and of course to River's own veterans uh, who, who've recently come out later in the show. But yeah, I mean, Tevez has said almost since the day he signed for Corinthians that he wanted to return to Boca mm. while he still had <coughs> knees and ankles and was actually able to be of some use to the team. Um, so in that respect, I don't think that any of us at least are surprised. It might come as a surprise to, to fans in Europe who weren't aware of these plans that he had, but certainly to nobody in Argentina is it a particular surprise that he's come back. Okay, we were 
on record before, I think possibly even when you were here before, Feather, saying that we didn't think it was going to be happening this year, then we were expecting it to happen at the end of his Juventus contract. But it's not a surprise that it's happened at some point. Um, and it's going to be very interesting to see how he, how he fits in with the, with the league because he's, you know, we, six months ago, we were looking back on Daniel Osvaldo's first couple of games for Bocca and saying this guy is too good for the league. And Osvaldo kind of fell off a bit uh, after his first sort of seven or eight matches, let's say. He, he didn't score, uh, I don't think, in the last seven matches, was it, that he played for Bocca? I'm not sure. I think the last one was against Estudiantes. He got one in the Copa Argentina, but in the yeah. league he hadn't scored in, yeah, against the last one Estudiantes. Defensa Justicia was after that. Or before? Uh, it must have been. Sure. I, I'm pretty sure Fede's right about Estudiantes being the last one. Mm-hmm. And he scored against somebody in the Copa Argentina. It was... Um, yeah, And, you know, so he kind of fell off. But, I mean, Tevez is... Way better. A couple mm-hmm. of levels above Osvaldo, yeah. you know. And, and, and he has not the, the, the kind of, 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 le- of, of life uh, outside the beach. Nothing to do. Well, <laughs> very few people have <laughs> 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 as well. has to be said. Uh, yeah, the thing, I, I'm a little concerned that, I mean, of course, service is, is, is wonderful. Uh, I won't discuss that. But uh, I, I think it, it's obvious that the opposing teams will concentrate on him and place a personal mark or a couple or, or even three players just dedicated to not let him play. And I'm not sure the rest of the pocket team will be able to pick the spaces and, 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 and take profit of that. And, and you could maybe draw a comparison to what happened with uh, the Copa America final with Messi being marked very tightly and the, the rest of the team, I mean, they, they couldn't uh, find those spaces and work it out without Messi. So I'm a little worried that might happen here as on, well. On the one hand, obviously, as, as I said last week, it's, it's easier to mark Messi out of international matches because he's playing with teammates who don't play every single day of the year with him in training who don't know exactly where he wants the ball to be played exactly where he's going to play it for the return pass and all the rest of it so in internationals it's easier to mark Messi out but this actually what you've just said uh, it very nicely allows me to get in early with one of our listeners questions that's been sent this week which is DJ Dissident asking does the Tevez signing on its own make Boca favourites for the Primera title so you're, you're seeming to say I, I would say yes. I would say, I would say yes, but I'm I'm a little concerned about this. I mean, I think all teams and Kilmes will be the first example because Falcioni is a very defensive-minded uh, coach, so he will place Brani, I'm sure, on top of Davis from the start, and it, it will be up to the to the other ten players to try to when they can play with the, with Davis, but not look every ball uh, with him because he he won't be able to today. To play a lot. That was. That's what happened today, as I heard when I was coming here, the practice, all the balls were to Tevez. The players, mm-hmm. what did the players do when they had the ball on their feet? Give it to Tevez. I guess the other, yeah, sure. the, the other possible problem issue for Boca then becomes if the rest of the players use his presence as a, a kind of excuse to, uh, you know, the pressure's off us, it's up to him. Almost like the Argentina players do with Messi, you know, if you listen to some, to certain critics. Um, so it's going to be interesting to see. Yes. But, uh, yeah, I think there has the quality to no matter what make it make an impact and make a difference. But uh, I mean, when I think of Tevez in Boca, I th- I'm thinking of winning Copa Libertadores and maybe more than once. Mm-hmm. So uh, to reach that kind of level, you will need uh, the rest of the team and the and the coach and a, a lot of effort there that Tevez can do by himself. So I'm I'm hopeful he will adapt and the team will adapt. And ideally, you need to do it whilst Tevez is still in a physically fit 
state to do so because he's 31 he's still in much better physical condition than to reel off a few recent returnees say Gabriel Milito was when he came back to Independiente he was only 30 but he yeah. you know, seriously disrupted by injury uh, Diego Milito was obviously 30, ooh, 33, 34 oh. when he came back to Racing and it's had a good effect but yeah. is, is less mobile than Tevez is Veron was 31 same age as Tevez when he went back to Estudiantes he had a good few years but was playing in a much a position where mobility wasn't as much of an, a problem um, so Veron was able to carry on for longer and I just wonder whether Tevez is going to be able to carry on for longer until he's sort of 35, 36 his conditioning is obviously good I mean, he looks to be in great shape <clears throat> he's never had any knee injuries that I can remember his legs are in great shape he himself admits he's in the best shape that he's been in for what four or five years mm-hmm. yeah yeah, so, I agree. Yeah. yeah, he looks to be in great shape mentally and physically to me. What a wonderful smile he had on his face the other day during, <laughs> yeah. during the ceremony. Yeah. Such a uh, likable, uh, a legit likable uh, smile. You could tell how happy he was to be back. It was amazing. Regarding the ceremony as well, I wanted to. Uh, this isn't supposed to be pouring water on 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 Boca fans, but it's another issue that, that that's, that's come up again today, uh, and that we harp on about quite a bit on Hand the Pod is the, this issue of violence. Um, in Argentine football um, it, it, the reason I say it's come up again today is that there was a uh, I don't know whether any of you have heard about this but there, there was a the body of a river fan um, found hanging from the bridge outside Rivers Stadium last mm. night or early this morning um, after Rivers Copa Libertadores um, semi-final first leg which we'll of course talk about in a, in a short while um, so that's not great the Tevez um, unveiling had a couple of less than savoury moments which certainly can't be blamed at all on Tevez but first of all he had asked um, I think everybody who went into the platea was it or everybody who went into the stands uh, it was everyone but it was to win <laughs> yeah. a lot more people than they expected yeah. so the idea was that everybody would bring some uh, non-perishable food along to, to help out uh, homeless shelters in, in the slums that Tevez grew up in and he was going to go I think yesterday in fact they actually went and, and, and did the delivery but yeah. some of these bags are very small amounts of these bags end up being stolen by who knows who I mean nobody's suggesting that it was even the Boca Barra or, or, or any Boca fans at all but people turned up and started piling these things into their own cars so that wasn't too pleasant and the other point was that uh, the, the master of ceremonies for the um, uh, presentation itself attracted some negative publicity by, by telling Tevez to stop and say Carlos stop here and, and start chanting because this is the La Dose Tribuna uh, the La Dose Stand and that's not kind of something that you really want to, that you hope to see in a, you know, given, yeah. I guess, particularly given he, the effect that those people was, have had on Boca. He was on the pitch totally recently. disgusting, not only because of, was, that was terrible or, or not good at all, but he also was criticized by photographers, reporters, saying that he was sticked to Tevez and photographers couldn't take a picture of Tevez alone. And, 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 <laughs> wow. And apart from that, uh, he he said, apart from, well, here is La Dose and that, would you repeat the Gashinita or the chicken movement again? Well, that's, I mean, it's just for Torres. Yeah, that's that's for I'd agree with that. Yeah, I mean, but is. you put everything in a bag and it's all disgusting, of course. Mm, yes. That is folklore. And it, I understand. The thing, that. the thing I would I would criticize about this, and the thing I don't like, uh, the, the Boca Barra unveiled the great flag, or the, you call it the telon, mm. I don't know in English. And it no, was gifted, yeah, by, gifted by Carlos. It was gifted by Tevez yeah. to the Barra, and it had the La Dos Unida Jamás Será Vencida uh, as a slogan. So, I mean, I'm not too fond of that. 
The relationship between Ibarra and Boca's idols has been proven. Well, there uh, was with a Palermo and yeah. the only player who. Riquelme Re- is the only one who yeah. ever tried to. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I know, who, who never uh, made friends with them. And, uh, well, that, that's part of the reason why everybody. He, he's the greatest player to ever play with mm. the Boca jersey. Um, moving on to other teams. We've talked about Boca. Let's talk about River in the league, first of all, on Saturday. Um, very good first half. Dominant performance, only one chance taken, but what a chance. I don't know where Ramiro Funes-Mori learned to take pe- uh, free kicks like that, but it was a stunner. He then tried to do it again last night in the Libertadores from almost exactly the same spot and I think smacked the ball out of the stadium. Um, very well taken chance as well by Tempele, really nice goal to equalise just a few minutes later. Thanks. And Tempele really, I thought after being, um, as I say, completely dominated really in the first half, in the second half came out fantastically and OK River. Obviously, I'm one eye on, on Tuesday night in the Libertadores. As I think Gachardo said after the match, even the fans didn't seem to care too much about the match we were actually playing. Um, but it's two points dropped for River in the title race, and Tempele looked really, really good. Um, I, I, I thought, in the circumstances, I mean, sure, okay, if it's a, a bigger club, if it's San Lorenzo or one of the, the title challenges coming to River and, and being dominated yes. to that extent in the first half, you're disappointed. But for Tempele, great character, very, very well one point. Um, after the match, Andres, before Tuesday night, try and imagine that we're recording now and it's still Monday. What do you think of how River played on Saturday? No, of course they, they did play well. Uh, what, what I was worried about is not uh, that the, the River lost or dropped two points, but uh, oh, because they, 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 I had the feeling that the River, the river doesn't have uh, as good substitutes as, as I want as I sh- mm-hmm. uh, as Default, I would yeah. yes uh, uh, that was the feeling I had because uh, well Solari Boche uh, are not are, are river uh, are, they came from the river uh, uh, inferiores learned from Vega left back and Vega yes uh, also uh, Vega was decent more decent than Solari and Boche uh, performances uh, that's that was what uh, let me more worried about not about the result because uh, if Sanchez is gets injured we mm-hmm. I, I pray he's not injured but if, if in the case it happens there isn't any 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 substitutes that uh, will would play at the same level as he as him as Solari is, isn't and Machada aren't yeah. at the same particularly position. as well given that uh, Sebastian Driussi missed last night's match because he's come down yes. again with a, a gastroenteritis or something and it might miss the weekend as well and he's been one of the more impressive uh, backup midfielders Boschet I've said it many times before and I'll say it again is a wide player or possibly an attacking midfielder but not a striker I don't know why he I keeps never think he play well I'm sorry but I've, that's the thing because I'm convinced that he's, you know, I've, I've seen him in the flesh. He has a really nice touch. He's got a, a decent range of passing, and he's and he's good at hanging on to the ball. He's clearly not a bad footballer, but he can't shoot straight. He can't finish at all. He's got two goals in thirty something appearances for River now. Um, I think he'd be far better if he was playing as a winger. He's perhaps I I would say a a, a bad a com- comparison, but for example, Alario who has. Six goals in 44 matches for Colón. But and fast forwarding to Tuesday night. Yes, last night. Two assists in his first start for River as well. Yes. So um, perhaps he has more value with these kind of things than as a goal scorer. 
pure gold scorer mm. uh, and Bashir should do same similar things with well not the same uh, kind of pass perhaps because he Alari in, in only one match could do something like he did uh, with Mora and this is as well something that, that rivers to returning veterans we just talked about Tervis and of course River have, uh, have got two players who are at a much later stage of their career Tervis is 31 uh, Lucho Gonzalez is 34 Javier Saviola is 33 I might have that the right way around or the wrong way around but they're 33 and 34 and you know they've not been playing at the same level as Tervis has but both of them are clearly coming in to do a similar job and Lucho particularly so far has impressed me because he's just sat in midfield and very much like uh, Robinho did when he came into Brazil's team during the Copa America in, to, to replace Neymar and instantly looked like the best Brazil player on the pitch purely because he was standing, receiving the ball in good positions and giving it to teammates who were in good positions. Nothing fancy. Not taking around seven men, sticking it in the top corner as they were expecting Neymar to do all the time. But, you know, and, and Lucho... Not to the same degree, but it's looked very good just by doing the simple things correctly. And I think Rivers' uh, young midfielders who they've got coming up through are going to be looking at him and learning a lot from him as, as Bocca's forwards are going to be learning from Tevez. Saviola, perhaps a bit less so, but again, Saviola is playing in a position where he needs a bit more mobility and he needs a bit more rhythm. And as he admitted after the Temple they gave him a bit more time to get into um, up to speed with the rhythm of the league again. Um, but I'm surprised by Lucho because, of course, he was playing in the Quatari second division for two years or a year and a half before signing for River. I don't think anybody was actually expecting him to come in and sort of look relatively at home almost straight away. I don't know what they do in that league because uh, Forlin uh, was playing at that level too <laughs> when he came to Boca and he was, I think, the, the best player that semester. In the he, second division, was it? Qatar second division, wow. yeah. Okay. So I don't know, that, that must be a hell of a league, I, I think. Mm. <laughs> well, but the, the age in that case has a lot to do. The 34 years all that, and having played two, two in in that kind of football where we because we don't watch that uh, we ha- don't have any any possibility to watch that but uh, I've, got, I've got some sympathy for saying we can't really criticise it because we don't watch it yeah but, but I mean, no. it's the second division we imagine it's not uh, very competitive uh, I've seen highlights in the like Planeta Gol or the end of the yeah. year specials and they are awful they they are absolutely <laughs> awful but uh, I don't know. Maybe for some players it, it works, or at least it, it, it maintains the level. I guess if, it's kind of like he's done two years of hot weather training, right? Yeah. Premier League sides go off to Quato for a week at the winter to, to try and get some conditioning back, and, you know, if they've gone out of the FA Cup early or whatever in January. And, you know, maybe, maybe it's that. Maybe it's like doing two years of that and then coming back and being incredibly ripped. Um, but anyway, on Tuesday evening, uh, River um, played the first leg of their Copa Libertadores semi final against Guarani at home because of course they're the, the lower um, seeded team they will play the second leg of the final at home if it's against Tigres because the Copa Libertadores has to be decided on South American soil um, so despite the fact that Tigres are the highest seeded team left in the competition they will play the second leg of the final away if they make it to the final the first leg of that semi is about it's in one hour's time 55 minutes time um, against Internacional for them and also if, if, if Tigres uh, passes River will win World Cup, Club World Cup, because the team has to take the. But uh, I, I, this is not a review, of course. I don't say people should bet on international, but I think international will advance to, to the final because they have perhaps similar team as since a long time ago, or at least I think that uh, with Charles Aranguis, Chilean uh, player that had uh, that got the. 
Copa América, eh, Alessandro, eh, yeah. Alessandro López, who is of, of also player that with 34, I think, or, or, or so years. Mm, was also playing in Qatar. Also, the first Qatar. division this time, mm. yeah. And, and Datolo also. Uh, that uh, I, I don't know. He wasn't in international. Was maybe he's he, he no, transferred uh, Mineiro. Mineiro. Uh, maybe he, he transferred that. Well, but uh, and, and and Tigres uh, hires. I, mean, I think he was a very. Jesus Datolo is with Atlético Mineiro. Okay, okay. I think Tigres was a, a tough opponent for River in the the first quarter, and he's been, yeah. and they have been okay in and the. And they have a. Anduche, Anduche, a Nigerian striker also. But oh, it's, it's also, no, yeah. yeah, but it's strange, it's strange. I think for me, strange signings for playing Copa Libertadores. To come yeah, to Mexican the, teams are are never great in the Copa Libertadores. Yeah. But well, it's my opinion. Perhaps uh, no, we are surprised, and, and, and Tigres is the one. But I I I expect internationally against well River Guarani. It's it's looking like River, right? Because yeah. it was a very impressive mm. performance last night. Um, River were. In some ways, I guess the opposite to, to the, the Tempele match on Saturday, River would, if anything, I mean, probably the better side before half time, but it was tough. And then in the second half, River stepped it up and looked really, really good and, and scored two very well. One, one knockdown from a, a corner, uh, which Gabriel Mercado uh, smashed in after Alario's knockdown. And then a second, which was a lob, as I tweeted at the time, by Rodrigo Mora that. Um, Ariel Ortega would have been proud of that, yes. of that lob. It was astonishing from, again, Alario's um, through ball, which but sets River up very nicely. If River score early in the second half. But I think the they had leg. to break the, the score just with a goal like it, it was, because uh, lack of paces, River with no accuracy, with no precision in, in their passes, and, and, well, there was a corner kick with a, 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 an awful marking by. Guarani and, and yeah, it was. Really, I think I think Guarani had a very good game. They I think they they played really well, mm. uh, and I I, I I really didn't ask uh, much more for them. And still they lost two 0 So mm. that I think was, marks uh, how the tie will go. I don't know if any of you have caught um, if any of you are even tennis fans. In fact, but if, if anybody saw the the Wimbledon semi final between Andy Murray and Roger Federer. It was kind of. I'm, I'm not going to compare River's performance seriously to Roger Federer's performance in that match because Federer just didn't do anything wrong at all. But in that respect, it was kind of. Guarani couldn't really have done anything more than they did. And, and Murray, you know, was by no means playing badly against Federer. It's not and yet just got, in the second half particularly of, of the River game, just got blown away. Um, I don't think that 3 0 would have flattered River, but certainly 2 0 puts them in a, a decent position. It doesn't mean that the tie's over, of course. The second leg is on Tuesday or Wednesday? Next Tuesday. Tuesday. Good. That means that we're fine for recording again next week. That makes it a lot easier. Guarani, this is not a, a, a detail that doesn't uh, sum anything. Uh, they hadn't received any goal in the four matches of uh, round of 16 and quarter final. Mm. And t- tonight they received two. So. They considered so they they that talks about their hard marking and and, and tough uh, condition of team and to last night was like and possibly also about how that this international break that happens when there's a World Cup or a Copa America yeah, in the middle of yeah, the Libertadores completely knocks the momentum out. It's, it's I mean, in River's case, it doesn't appear to have done, but certainly in in the past. It's totally changed the complexion of past Copas Libertadores, where there's been a team who've stormed through to the quarters and the World Cups come. 
and the semis and the final have been like an entirely separate tournament all of a sudden. It, it, it's awful. I don't know how, how long we will come able to keep this up, but it, it destroys the, the essence yeah. of that. Mm. That's, that's why it's, it's obvious, but that's why uh, Champions League is played, their final is played before 30th of June, of June and, and the Copa Libertadores after that. And that means that the stuff perhaps is completely different be, between yeah. the quarter final to the semi final. It also, of course, completely buggers up certain team squads. I mean, this time round, River have managed to do a couple of deals where Rodrigo Mora is is leaving for United Arab Emirates. I think it is once River's participation in the Libertadores is over. Um, Matthias Kranovitzer is... Well, it was reported last week that Matthias Kranovitzer had been sold to Atletico Madrid but was staying with River until December so that he could complete the, the Libertadores. Donofrio, the River president, was asked on Fox Sports about it before last night's match and said that uh, he was completely non-committal about whether the sale had actually gone through. He just said Kranovitzer is staying until December at least. Yes. So whether Kranovitzer has actually been sold or not now, is uh, he wasn't very clear on that, but uh, certainly it was reported that if River have already sold it to Atletico, they've done a deal whereby he stays at River for uh, until the end of the year. And that's sensible, but you know, there are some clubs, uh, San Lorenzo last year lost Ignacio Piatti between the two legs of the final because MLS had a, uh, had, had a registration deadline that fell between those two legs and, and they weren't prepared to extend it, which is, you know, within, MLS, within MLS's right to do. Um, but at the same time, it, it buggers up, you know, it, it could have swung the Copa Libertadores final a completely different way as it happened. San Lorenzo won anyway, of course, but... Uh, it, it might have swung the final a, a totally different way and would have been basically Condoball's fault for not sorting the competition out in a slightly more sensible way. Yeah, and I remember the, the 2012 final uh, Boca Corinthians that uh, we, we couldn't feel the Roncaglia ah. because mm-hmm. the final uh, was, I, I think, the first day of July and the season officially ends the 30th of June, yeah. so all contracts are, contract are written until yeah. the 30th of June. Right. Right. So Roncaglia couldn't play because he was out of contract and then they couldn't get any insurance for a single game and uh, he missed the, the final, so... I mean, they, they continue. The Comebol continues to, to to screw it up, and uh, when it, when it will end, it will end when hell freezes over. I think yeah. is the, the answer. Um, other notable matches from the weekend. Let's very quickly go through them again before we have a half time break. Uh, Independiente against Olimpo. Very good performance from Independiente. Three lovely goals in particular. Second one. Uh, Martin Benitez. Third was it, one, it was his yeah. second, second one, and Independiente's third. Great goal. Fantastic goal. And there, sorry, there is a detail about the, you mentioned Independiente victory that three coaches de- made their debut or official debut on mm. this weekend and they won. three won. Yeah, Haynes with the Cruz and all with all scoring three goals as well. Yeah. Uh, or, or Dario Franco also made his debut on Golan and he didn't win. Wasn't his debut? Was it? No, I think he, I think his first match in charge was the last game of the. Let's check. Ah, okay, yes, yes, it was not his debut. I will double check that. Uh, no, but it was Bernardi with news and Hayes with Gilles Cruz and yeah, Gabriel Hayes, of course. Who um, I'm pretty sure this is true. Uh, if it is, then I'm taking credit for it because I'm the only person who I've seen mention this fact. Uh, is uh, the the first uh, former player of both Alex Ferguson and Marcelo Bielsa to become a manager. So two two managers who have produced a hell of a lot of other managers uh, from so we, in terms what of players that have been charged with as far as I'm aware, is the first to so have played under both. What do we have to expect of Wally Cruz now? Well, in theory, high-pressing, relentless 
attacking down the wings if you bring some Ferguson into it as well and uh, a lot of shouting and swearing I guess because I'm not really sure uh, it was indeed Dariel Franco's first game in charge of Colón by the way his uh, the uh, Javier Lopez was in charge for the 1-1 draw with Oracan before the Copa America uh, so three of the four uh, debutant managers won with their team scoring three goals all of them look pretty good as well Godoy Cruz won 3-0 against uh, Cruzero del Norte as we just said with Hainsey on the bench um, it's very difficult really not on the bench actually because he hasn't had the the, the the qualifications yet for the oh really yeah so he was in the stands Oh, was he? Really? Yeah. Right. yeah, and he was coaching through a phone or whatever. Yeah. Oh, you're right. They've actually got the... Um, yeah. Officially, it was Daniel Oldras still in yeah, charge. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. He was on the stands and he's waiting for the... I don't know, the... The, the title to be given to him officially. Maybe yeah, certificate, I don't know. Maybe this is one of his previous manager's influence as well because Alex Ferguson, very, anybody who's done the Old Trafford Stadium tour will be aware that Alex Ferguson's first match in charge of United was when Old Trafford had normal dugouts like basically every other stadium and uh, he couldn't see anything from the touchline and he said after the game you're having those torn out and we're getting benches put Back in at a decent stands. level and that's why the, stat, the, um, the, the tactical benches at United are, are sort of raised up above the level of the pitch so you can see everything from them um, so yeah maybe Haynes is going to get an idea who knows um, <laughs> Independiente, as we already said, won 3 1 against Olimpo, looked very good. Uh, very difficult, really, to fully assess Godoy Cruz's performance given that they were playing Cruzeiro del Norte at home. Cruzeiro del Norte, in their own stadium, are an entirely different proposition, as we've said many times, but away from home, they've now lost 8 out of 8. And the other one was Newell's Old Boys against Racing, which I think we need to mention, if only because, against the champions and against a team who had not lost since the opening weekend of the season, funnily enough, against a club from Rosario. Um, Newell's just tore Racing to pieces. Three nil. If anything, was generous to Racing by the end of that match. It was you, wonderful. You, yeah, they they marked awfully. I don't know what happened. Oh yeah, the defending was atrocious. The defending was, I think all goals. Newell's just looked like a completely different yeah. team from the the Americo Gallego side of before yeah. the Copa. Yeah, it was like a new Scoco or, or the Scoco that played it with with Martino, and the whole team looked like more like a Martino style and Gallego. Mm. Apart from Racing being uh, being awful. Martin Tonso with the first goal, Ignacio Scocco with the second and third, um, Mauricio Tevez played very, very well indeed. They've since announced the re-signing of Mauro Formica, mm-hmm. I was going to say Formica, for some reason I always say Formica, Formica. Is he injured? Yes, I think. Okay, that's not quite as exciting a signing as I thought it was. <laughs> but um, Newell's, at least for now, look decent. Uh, we're not going to go off like basically everybody on Argentine television in the sports channels did. Uh, on Sunday and Monday nights and start praising Lucas Bernardi as the best manager who's ever lived and there are not but they have a good a good group of players I think but mm. there, there are not uh, many cases like uh, uh, Bernardi that they uh, quit playing they retire and a couple of months or so uh, they uh, they officially take charge of of, of the team they, they have played uh, Almeida was imme- immediately Diego Simeone but yeah, I mean, apart from that, you're, you're right, Almeida at River, and not very many others. Well, I guess, in a way, the gap between Miron stopping playing and becoming president of Estudiantes was quite small, but uh, it's not quite the same thing. Um, as we say, then, we've had a change in leadership, so let's very quickly go through the standings. Boca Juniors at the top of the table with 34 points, San Lorenzo second with 33, River Plate a third with 31, on goal difference ahead of Rosario Central, 
and Racing, the defending champions, are fifth on 30 points, as are Belgrano de Cordoba in sixth. Um, there's then a three-point drop to, to Tigre in seventh. So the top four teams, sorry, the top six teams are four points apart, um, which sets things up quite nicely, I think, for the, the second half of the year. In the relegation table, which I think we have to start talking about now, really, because we are into the second half of the year, and there are going to be two teams relegated at the end of this year. At the moment, it's going to be Crucero del Norte Chicago. and Nueva Chicago, who have got seven points from 16 matches. So Crucero del Norte, OK, they're using the fact that they have a seriously overgrown pitch to, to their own advantage, but that's, they're entirely within their rights to do that. Um, Nueva Chicago... Could be using. I mean, if they wanted to, they could use the fact that their stadium's in a terrifying area of town and nobody wants to go there because they might set fire to the pitch or something. But they're not even managing to do that. They're just rubbish. Yeah. I've, I've got in, in Gibraltar the, the the bar in which, in fact, Johnny and I met in San Telmo, my my local, even though I'm not don't live near there anymore. Um, one of the barmen and one of the regulars in there keep on every time I go in there trying to convince me that next weekend we're taking you to see Chicago against whoever Chicago play. And when I say, oh, I don't really want to, they go, oh, it's because you're scared, aren't you? And, and, and my reply is always, <laughs> yeah. well, there are two parts of the answer. The first part is, yes, I'm scared. But the second part is, why the bloody hell would I want to go and pay money to watch the way with Chicago? I don't have anything against them as a club. I'm sure they're lovely people. I'm aware no. of the unique position and politically speaking that their fans have and everything. But they're bloody awful. Who wanted to take you over there? Gibraltar. A very small, um, bald guy who I don't think was going in there when, when you were. You probably um, would. I, I, can't, I can never remember his name. I'm one of the newer barmen who you almost certainly don't uh, know. No, probably not. But um, they're just dreadful. The, the club, not these two people in, in Gibraltar. <laughs> they're, 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 they're very nice people. Do you people. think that if the, this thing of the 30-team tournament w- wasn't uh, real, uh, for example, they should if they played like the... They played before with two rounds of, of uh, this whole season will be two rounds of nineteen of uh, yes nineteen matches that will be thirty eight. Mm. In this case, they are relegated after playing twenty nine. So there are, there are less matches to be relegated. Yeah, that's that's probably not an unfair. Will be the same for these teams like Chicago. If, if there was no promedio and everybody was playing everybody else, yes. So you ended up with thirty eight games played per season in a European style relegation system. Mm. It would not surprise me if Chicago were relegated with eleven game, with nine games to go. Yeah, <laughs> make complete sense. The other teams down in the relegation battle are Huracan, Defensivo, Justicia, just above them. Um, on Limpo as well. I think Quilmes are probably safe, largely because of how awful the bottom two clubs are and showing no sign at all of, of any improvement. Um, I don't know what you you guys think. Yeah, not much to say. I mean, I wanted to go on about the. the the, the tournament format they've been discussing for next season we're going to talk about that in after the break yes after the break <laughs> in, in a couple of minutes time um, so we may as well take that break now I'm going to refill glasses and uh, Good, I'm going to wash my hands as well because I was cleaning the, the bathroom just before Andres rang the bell and I've been uh, without meaning to I've been kind of sniffing my fingers <laughs> during the first half of the <laughs> I think the Fernet combined with the bleach on my nose, is, uh, which is now going up my nose, is, is making me feel quite peculiar. So I'm going to go and wash my hands, scrub my hands, try and get this spot off, like <coughs> Beth or something. Um, do not go away. We shall be right back.
today, and we come back, and first of all, we're going to discuss, as we just said, the championship format for next year. Um, we're going to discuss it, first of all, with the provisory note uh, that this is not finalised yet. It will be finalised sometime in October, November, probably at an AFA uh, meeting, and this being the Argentine Football Association, we will believe that it's actually going to take place in the manner that it gets finalised in, when and possibly not even then when the championship actually begins uh, because I don't know whether any of you saw but just today they've also authorised a change to the regulations for the Nacional B that's currently taking place mm. uh, it's a very minor change but still the fact that they can authorise a change to regulations <laughs> where a championship is actually being played is something that I find astonishing even by AFA standards um, anyway the leaks that have come out of AFA um, about a meeting that was held on Tuesday afternoon evening I think it would have been uh, about the first half of 2016 because as we all know nobody wants a 30 team championship and it's going to be changed back as soon as we can and we've now started to hear about how it's going to be changed back and it was largely I think what uh, had already been uh, rumoured to a large extent two groups of 15 teams for six months with everybody playing everybody else in their group and then another interzonal intergroup match between the uh, traditional classical rivals which also obviously hints that uh, let's say for example River and Boca are not going to be in the same group San Lorenzo and Huracan are going to be in the same group Racing and Independiente are going to be in the same group uh, Belgrano and Atletico de Rafaela are going to be in the same group because apparently that's a classical now um, and all the rest of it Newell's and Central and so on and we could just carry on naming classicals but we won't because you'll probably converse them with most of them um, with a final between the winners of the two groups at the end of it um, relegations there are going to be some relegations halfway through next year possibly and I possibly think all, not all the number of, of, of relegations they've been mentioning three or one relegation uh, they've been mentioning three relegations with one promotion so that yeah. we have 28 teams which I think is probably the most likely given that part of the reason this is happening yeah, is hope. that nobody wants to keep on with the 30 team tournament championship but also um, La Nación Cancha uh, Xena if, you, if you're reading them online uh, is this sports section um, quoted earlier yes and they're still quoting now I thought they, they have in fact edited this to uh, take away some of the complaints that I was <laughs> being quite vocal about during our interval um, but they, they're still quoting Luis Segura the current uh, president of the Argentine FA saying that it would be a massacre to relegate three teams in such a short space of time which, given that the short space of time he's talking about is technically potentially three years, given that you know some of the clubs who are going down could have been up for three years, um, strikes me as a bit stupid. As well, well as the fact that they, I mean, okay. one relegation from thirty. We've got yeah. two relegations from thirty at the end of this year, and that's not enough. But what? Why are the, the the relegations odd if we have two groups? I mean, if we have one relegation, then one team from the other group won't be really, related at all and if we have three we have the same problem but it's all on the points average system still. yeah but it's, it's just a mess after a mess absolutely yeah because you've got yeah. teams in being relegated case, having played different teams to exactly. other relegated teams and, in that case know. they should uh, quit uh, with the uh, format of groups because of course they will be un not pair uh, not the same number of teams exactly yes. and not the same not the same value because we will play different teams in each group. I want to ask John because you know I'm from a country with a fairly well-established football league. I think it's fair to say. 
and, and one in which relegation it, 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 it is a, <clears throat> not just an established concept, but something that people would get really quite exercised by if it didn't exist. And obviously Argentina is, is, is the same as that. If the AFA were to just announce, right, we're not doing relegation at all anymore, um, I think there'd be you know, borderline an uprising. From the American point of view, John, obviously the major sports there don't have no. anything like this at all. No. How ridiculous does this seem to you? Not as a soccer fan who's come to Argentina and, and is used to following the league, but how exercised would you feel about it? You know, if, if it was an existing format in baseball or American football, and somebody decided to fuck about with it to the I extent, I think it would be a wonderful it. idea. Having experienced relegation here and following, you know, clubs in Europe, but it would never happen in the states because there's so much. There's so much money involved in the teams staying where they are, not being relegated. Um, I really don't know how to I don't know, explain that any better, but I, I can't see that ever happening there. And that's quite a big in, in any sport. There's quite a big movement of fans, of MLS fans, I know, to, to try and get relegation in. And I think the accepted wisdom, at least in, in US soccer circles, is that it's going to happen sooner or later. Um, I'm not sure what the, what the is, 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 I'm not sure what later would be. But, but is it is it just money or is there a cultural? I think it's, thing there's in the there's way a cultural what? thing in the way. There's there's money in the way. Uh, there's the good old boy network in the way as far as all the owners having their own little clubs, so to speak. Um, yeah, it's just too rash, too rash for sports in the states to consider that you would be be relegated uh, and then. You have to have a minor league team, what they refer to as minor league teams in the mm-hmm. States, uh, be in some sort of competitive position to come up. And at the moment, that's not the case. Right. Yeah, and, and I think with, with football across the world, you have a kind of a romantic feeling about uh, the lower divisions and maybe a, a lower team being promoted and making, a, I don't know, a, a good run in a cup or in a first division. And that doesn't happen in the states, uh, no. and that, that that thing is, it, I think, comes with, with history and with. Yeah, with t- and in the states, minor leagues of any sport in the states, the level of play is so much worse than the major leagues. Whether you're talking about the NFL, baseball, or what have you, there's no comparison. Yeah. And also, the, I think that the, the draft that, that that sports in the United States also takes that away because it, it, it it's the tool. For for bad teams to try to be competitive again, and and I think it work it works great in, the, in most uh, U.S. sports, but it, it it will never work outside the, the U.S. Also, and it wouldn't really work with anyway. With the system of transfers or or, or draft there 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 is in the United States, it's not in Argentina. It's the same way, but it's impossible. It, it's not of course a draft, but it's happening every time. It's happening more that. There is a free a free player, free agent. Well, come on, play here, and we arrange the the, the contract, the the salary, and, the, and this is it. It's not that they have to <coughs> buy them from a different. It happens, but less than before, that they have to buy a player from another team, mm. pay a transfer, and then arrange the contract. Now it's more than that kind of of, of science. agent market. Yes, uh, well, come here and play, and we are we we still. We we have to see how many how many money we have we can pay. I'm trying to work out how I can drag this back on topic of talking about the Argentine relegation system again now because I, I feel that I uh, well, it's, well I kind of started that that bit of conversation without really knowing where it was going to go. Um, you to record a four or five year uh, 
hours episode we can discuss about <laughs> well god knows we've come close at times on that the yes. pod, but um, I, rather than, than trying to artfully uh, steer the conversation back around to it I think I'm just going to say let's stop talking about that now and just get back to the original <laughs> point what do we think of the new championship uh, the proposed new championship format for the second half of next year are there any positives that anybody can come up with about it no, I, no. I've got one yeah, I think going back to the to the European calendar, it's it's the the only positive I would say. I don't know why we switched to this kind of tournament if we didn't like it, but I mean. if you go to Montevideo um, and then wander around the centre of Montevideo, particularly, there's a wonderful line of, of t-shirts and, and souvenirs that you can get from a local artist whose name I've forgotten, but I did buy one of my friends uh, one of his t-shirts um, a few years ago. Uh, which has the uh, a map of South America inverted with the um, slogan Nuestro Norte es el Sur Our North is the South making the point that here we do things differently and, 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 and the other way around and you know let, let's be proud of doing that in, in South America and try and forge a South American identity and I think that that's what the Apple were thinking with going to the calendar round you know the year round ta- uh, championship I think but that doesn't mean that it's actually the, the effective thing to do. Not because it's wrong necessarily per se, but because the, the, the European transfer window has such a huge impact on Argentine clubs particularly and on, and on the Argentine league with the number of players that, that get exported from this league um, that I just don't think it, it works. And that there's a goal for Estudiantes, by the way, with 10 minutes to go. So there's 1-1 in the Copa Argentina now. Alvaro Pereira, the goal scorer. Not quite sure what he was doing that far up the pitch, but anyway... Um, I think it's slightly wrong-headed to, you know, it's all very well to say, okay, let's try and imagine an ideal world in Argentine football and, you know, the Argentine economy and Argentine society, in fact, because it would take a change in all of those things, uh, where players don't get shipped off to Europe in the middle of every year when the European season's finished. But imagining that doesn't make it happen. You know, the reality is that that, that it's a major part and the clubs are able to um, arrange things much more easily if they've got an off-season in the middle of the year and, you know, the summer break, sure, is inevitable. But essentially, I think that, a, as you say, an August to May or June season makes a lot more sense. Yeah, uh, obviously. For Argentina, if not for the rest of South America, necessarily. Uh, I think there's what, what, what these kinds of decisions make uh, or, or demonstrate for us is there's absolutely no planning at all ahead of the, uh, to the future. I mean, it's like, OK, we need a... 10 promotions because I don't know what the reason was behind the 10 promotions well, I, no, I no, forgot no, about it yeah I don't know what the reason yeah. ah it was uh, the, the Prodi Bancado it was the, the excuse Grandana had because he wanted to introduce the betting and he needed 10 more teams I don't know whatever it, but that was the reason the behind reason, it. Which is not the the online betting problems. project that, that a lot of matches will make a lot of uh, Betting options, yeah, because everybody's betting on uh, Crucero de Norte de Cruz, obviously. Which is insane, anyway, because <laughs> yeah. to, to any European or North American who comes down here, I'm sure John, you'll agree with me. Argentines don't bet on things. No, not. A... No, after having lived in <laughs> Thailand for two years, there's no betting right. here. <laughs> far more bet on far more Thai money on the Argentine Primera than any Argentines do on the Argentine Primera, right? I mean, I do betting previews each week for the Hong Kong Jockey Club. I don't do it for an Argentine. But here there is a. There is a, a mistake that they, for example, the, the, the deputies are saying that uh, Argentina uh, betting is is bad. Is 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 bad for people because they, it it makes people be addicted on gaming. Well, it is. 
casino de Puerto Madero in Tigre there is another one come on and the casino in, in Puerto Madero is a very good example in fact of, of the hypocrisy behind it because gambling is illegal in the city of Buenos Aires apart from the the gambling machines up in uh, the in because in they are not on, on city lands they are federal lands thank you very much for explaining that and the casino is on a boat in Puerto Madero because the river belongs to the province of Buenos Aires rather than to the city uh, so that's precisely you know I mean it's much like the I guess Native American reservations in the states or something which have these exactly massive the casinos exactly, in states yeah. where gambling is illegal or all the rest of it um, and so yeah it's all kind of linked in with that but essentially first half of next year we're going to have a transition back to a European as, as Fede puts it uh, season um, which will probably but not definitely have 28 teams in it and then up to 26 the year after and the idea that's been mooted basically since Granada died is that for the end, beginning of the 2019-20 to 20 season they want 22 teams in the Primera <laughs> the implication then is that it would stay at 22 and that uh, you'd have everybody against everybody else home and away like a European league but, but we'll see there's a the, lot of time I think the lack of planning shows that I think it's impossible but absolutely impossible to make a championship with 26 teams there's no way you can play just one time against Granada because 25 games is too, too few but then you can play twice because no, 52 is too much yeah. so uh, even this year we're going to have which we've not really touched on at the pod yet but we've got a ridiculous system of playoffs coming up at the end of the year oh yes, yes. Yeah, I'm which is going to see that, the yeah. champions whoever wins the championship never finishes second basically not playing any matches yeah. for about four months but, well unless they're still in the Sudamericana um, whoever they end up being which is going to be what Boca playing in the Sudamericana, River playing in the Sudamericana. I don't think any. No, Boca is not playing. Are you not? I not. No. Okay. In that case, River, River is playing because they are the champions. But then yeah. all the teams that play the Libertadores are. are None of the other teams currently in the title race are, are going to be involved in the Sudamericana, uh, apart from River. N- not. Uh, will play. Uh, who are not in? They're in mid table. No, uh, but it's it's the teams that didn't get into this year's uh, Libertadores. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. Um, but anyway, basically, there's there's every chance that the champions of Argentina aren't going to end up playing a match in Argentina between winning the championship and kicking off the next one, whilst everybody else, pretty much everybody else, anyway, down to 18th place, um, plays a ridiculous series of playoffs to get into next year's Libertadores in Sud America. I'm not sure about that because they, they've been mentioning that uh, the the torneo de transición next the next championship will give the seats for the next year Copa Libertadores. They've been mentioning that that the champion of the of that torneo transition will have to be going into the 2017 2017 Copa Libertadores. Okay, so they're gonna see the the, the teams for the Copa Libertadores uh, with yeah. that tournament. And the Sudamericana for next year for the 2016 Sudamericana, at least for the moment, is being decided at the end with of this, this year. So th- th- this tournament will decide the, Copa, the Libertadores 20. I don't know. I mean, <laughs> I what amazes me is that y'all can keep up with any of that. <laughs> I try. It's, it's like it's, trigonometry. We're, yeah. we're struggling against, you know, it's very much possible. I, I admire some because he <laughs> wants to understand what no one's on one And it's nonsense because they yeah, are going to change it again. Well. So, yeah, exactly. I, I taught myself the promedial system and I felt happy like 10 years ago. And all the shit that's happened since then. Bloody I, I, but I'm going to defend the, the, the average system. I think it, it, it is a good system. I think it's the only good system we have here in, in Argentina. Okay. Uh, After that kind of statement on a podcast that has spent <laughs> nearly five years slagging this system off. Why? 
I would say it, it's not a bad thing to to make teams that are consist uh, are, are big teams or, or have been consistently good uh, to give them another chance and not make them be relegated after just one bad season. So maybe if say Club X has one bad season but they have been in contention or maybe they had to to fill lower lower strength teams because they put in the cup or whatever. Uh, I think it's okay to give them another chance and make them stay another season. And teams with no history, they, they have to prove themselves uh, twice as hard to maintain the system. But why should a team with, as you put it, no history be, be at any less of an, be at a disadvantage because of that? Or to, or to put it another way, we don't like Arsenal de Sarandí because they were founded by Julio Bordona. Crucero del Norte, let's say, who were as an institution are harmless enough. I know we've been criticised for, yeah. for, for piling in on them during <laughs> this year, but I have no problem with Crucero del Norte at all off the pitch. All I've ever said is that they have a terrible team by Primera standards. Um, why should Crucero del Norte be put at a disadvantage against River or Independiente or Boca or whoever? I wouldn't say it's a disadvantage. I think it's 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 more that if 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 you are an established team in the Premier Division, uh, you have more chances to stay. It it I mean but, it but it, it ends up being an advantage. But it's the same thing thing that happens, uh, for example, in the Premier League with the television money. The teams that are playing the Premier League have a lot more money than the teams that are promoted from Absolutely, the Championship. Yeah. And, and the teams who get relegated from the Premier League they get a lot more money than the Championship teams. The championship. So but I think it happens. And, and I think trying to protect the bigger squad. I think trying to protect the bigger teams that have the the, the 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 biggest amount of fans, it's 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 a sensible thing to do. And I think it, uh, trying to make the, the bigger squads always play in the in the first division, while it may not be the first thing, it's the most logical thing because it makes the, the better product. I mean, obviously, I enjoyed River being in the in the second division, and I will always uh, mock them about that. But it, for the for the Argentine league, it's better to have River in the first division and but not e to have them relegated. But equally, the the two seasons that we've had recently with. With River in the Independiente in the second division, those two seasons were really good for the second division. Yes, I, the visibility. I agree, but okay. Largely speaking, it was just loads of people watching Rivers games or loads of people watching Independiente's games. But there was a noticeably um, increased interest in the second division. I'm not going to say that this year because this year it's the, the, the nobody ten, cares. Ten yeah. extra teams in the first division have ruined the second division anyway. Uh, well, in fact, as Gustavo says when he comes on here probably made the second division more competitive if anything and it's an entertaining oh. league but they've meant that there's far less attention paid to it but by and large River and Independiente being down in the second division I thought was, was good for the second division yeah but I think it's it's a, I would say a fake interest it's not interest in the second division it's interest in River or in Independiente uh, and even even if it, it, it attracted more more eyeballs to the second division uh, they attract less to the first division, and I think you have to focus on on the on the one product you can maybe export uh, elsewhere, and it's the first division, not the second division. And and even maybe forgetting about the the Argentine league, I think it's a good system. I I would implement, for example, in England to prevent uh, I don't know big teams like Newcastle from being uh, relegated. I, I mean the teams that have a lot of supporters, and uh, to give them. A little bit of an edge. I mean, to well, Newcastle to got relegated. I know. A few years ago. Yeah, I know. I know. Lots of big clubs have been relegated. I, I know. I, I, it's not the end of the world, but I think that the, the the biggest teams having the biggest teams in the first division makes a better product and a better league, if you will. So. But the other thing is, if you take that to the English extreme, uh, English the, reason, is, the reason that I say the English extreme is because England is obviously a less 
far less centralised league than obviously than yeah, and the lower leagues are uh, the, the bigger appealing. clubs are, are based in far more cities and if you're going to say that, that Newcastle are a big club then you end up basically <coughs> and this is not meant to slight on Newcastle it's not saying if Newcastle are a big club then anybody's a big club Newcastle are a big club but if you're, if you're going to take it as the teams uh, clubs of a similar size to that then you're going to end up with just 20 teams who are always in the first division and should never be allowed to be relegated yeah, I think it's it's a thing of looking into the history of the clubs or the, uh, the as well as the supporters. I mean, for example, me as an as an Argentine pe- Argentine person who watches uh, European football, if I want to watch a Premier League game, I, I'm obviously more interested in watching Newcastle play somebody than watching I don't know West Bromwich play somebody, and that's maybe unfair for West Bromwich. But for most of the last couple of seasons, West Bromwich played better football. Yeah, maybe I'm not I'm not talking about the style of football, but there are teams that have no history or or have. Maybe smaller fan bases. If you're a West Brom fan, you have a problem with what fellow just said. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't have any problem with with, with, with Brom or, or or whatever. Actually, I'm gonna. Um, sorry to cut you short, fellow. Yeah, sure. First of all, we. Uh, I don't want to record for too long, but also, uh, I don't normally do this. But if you have any comments, particularly on what fellow has just said regarding how it reflects the Argentine league, and don't take his. Uh, uh, horrible slighting and, and slagging off of West Brom is you know, too personally if you happen to support them. Um, but if you have any uh, comments yourself on when the Argentine relegation system is a good or a bad thing then please tweet them in or, or, or write them in um, to, to the Handapod uh, comment box which is on handapod.wordpress.com and you go to the about the team page uh, or meet the team or whatever it's called and there's a contact form there I think um, so write them in to us and I'll try and uh, read out a couple of them assuming we get any, on next week's podcast. Um, I'm now going to move into the question section. We've read the first one out already from DJ Dissident about uh, Carlos Tevez coming back to Boca earlier on. But we've had several more. Darren Paul says, Why could Racing not cope defending against a front three? And is the Newell's ground the prettiest to look at on television? Racing against a front three. What happened? What went wrong? Uh, is it the first time they, they faced such a... Uh, yes. I doubt it. I think, I think it was a combination of Ignacio Scocco, as, as English Dan put it on Twitter afterwards, right. playing his best game in two years, and it had to go against yeah. Racing. That's Racing's luck. Um, and his Newell's general performance was very good. I don't know whether it's because Newell's had a front three in particular. Uh, I mean, I think it, it, I wouldn't read too much into it. I think those kinds of games happen every once in a while. Uh, one team has a, the a bad day and another team has a good day and it happens I, I wouldn't read too much into it after uh, a layoff too yeah yeah Darren also asks when are Mauricio Tevez and Oscar Ustari going to Europe Oscar Ustari has been to Europe and come back he played for uh, Maria Itafi I think and also Itafi I think Maria too I'm sure well, I may be wrong somebody in England I'm pretty sure yes Fede were considered borderline big enough to remain in the Premier League Sunderland um, who are <laughs> also a big club in the northeast of England uh, Sam's he, not going to forget that <laughs> according to his Wikipedia he's, he didn't play for Almeria or Sunderland but he was at both for a full season each or, no sorry for a full season for Almeria half a season for Sunderland before moving back to Newell's of course um, and he Boca played for, yeah, mm. for Independiente then for Getafe and then he came back to Boca um, and then Almeria, Sunderland, where he didn't play at all for the best part of a year and a half, and then Newell's, where he's been rather good. He's a great goalkeeper, but uh, I think he has 
he has had a lot of injuries, a lot of injuries in his career. Yeah. So and he was I actually had an exchange with him about him sorry on Twitter with uh, somebody on uh, just a few days ago and had to appeal to a couple of Sunderland fans uh, Jonathan Wilson was one and SAFC source was the other to ask what they made of him while he was at Sunderland and at least at Sunderland he seemed to have quite bad luck because he turned up to be uh, Manone's sort of competition slash replacement and Manone immediately started playing phenomenally uh, so Ustari didn't really get a look in at least in the league I think he played a couple of cup matches and that was it um, but Ustari, I think, if he gets an offer to go back to Europe, is is well capable of taking it. He's only 29, so for a goalkeeper, he's still relatively young. He was always behind uh, good goalkeepers. He was behind uh, yeah, was kind of Orion in Boca, yeah. Abondancier in Getafe, and in Almeria it was uh, Diego Alves. Mm. Uh, was also a national team, what, who was the goalkeeper at national team when, when he was well, Abondancier ah, when he started, yeah. and then, of course, Romero. So now is He's a year younger back. than Ustari and is, is a year younger or? Uh, a couple of years younger, I think. About seven or eight. No, he's about five five or six months younger oh. uh, mm. than, than Ustari. Hang on a second. No, he's a year and a half younger than Ustari, sorry. Uh, no, he's not. Bloody hell. Six months younger. <laughs> okay. <laughs> sorry, I, I've, I'm remembering Romero's date of birth because I've spent most of this afternoon writing an article about it. Um, but who is already the, the most capped goalkeeper of all time for Argentina. Um, at the age of 28 which is I, I, I'm not sure how that happened yeah I'm not sure how that happened and now uh, the story was, he was mentioned he was mentioned to go to Real Madrid and Manchester United and with United as, as well free, yeah. free player funnily yeah. enough that's why I've been writing an article about him you can read that on ESPN FC it'll probably be online by the time this podcast is online uh, so go over to it and have a look or if not check the hand upon Twitter page and I'll retweet myself this um, is the Romero wasn't made in a day article that I read about Bob. The Romero wasn't made in a day. That is my working title for it. Yes. Plug there, I thought I'd throw in. Okay. Yes, uh, it was fun. <laughs> that was my little plug for you, Sam. No, thank you. Yes, don't look you. a gift horse well, in the mouth. No, no, it's, <laughs> it's a plug, but it isn't because I have no idea whether my sub-editors are actually going to let that be the title. Uh, I'd, I'd like them to, but we shall see. Um, anyway, Ustari getting another chance at Europe, I think, is going to happen at some point, and he should take it. And I think he could impress. And if he doesn't, he might go down as one of the unluckier goalkeepers. Um, of the recent generation in Argentina. As for Tevez, Mauricio, um, going to Europe, that's going to happen at some point. Sorry, he, he looks like yeah. a fantastic player, from what we see. Hey, yeah. He has to go to West Ham, then to <laughs> First Corinthians. Manchester United. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, Roberto Rojas uh, asks, how should River hang on to their 2-0 lead heading into Asuncion next week? We need to clarify that Roberto is Paraguayan and is supporting Guarani for that series. And is Carlos Tevez considered a top 10 player? So River, first of all, how should they approach next weekend's match, Andres? Next weekend, you mean Rafaela? Yes, no, sorry, next week against uh-huh. Guarani. Well, I said weekend. They, they, they need to have Rafaela match before, but I think they, they will play with similar uh, starting lineup as they played with against uh, Temple. Uh, so uh, they, will, they will, of course, think about... Uh, Tuesday night match against Warney, and with no with no Poncio as he has uh, received has received his third uh, yellow card. Third, yeah. And mm. at, at the, at when they receive three yellow cards, they are not allowed. Yeah, two, or two, but three, 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 definitely three. Yeah. Be- between oh. the quarter fi- uh, between the round of sixteen and the semis. Okay. Um, so well, I think Carnevitro oh, will be there, of course. And perhaps they will play with a single 
eh, not eh, choose eh, central midfielders mm. because I don't think either Rodriguez or eh, I know but Sirian is out of favor now. There is no other player who can replace Rodriguez. I guess you could. You could maybe yes. play if you wanted to play a double five and you were desperate to do that for some reason. You could Sanchez, maybe play Valanta there or Sanchez. I don't know. Um, yeah. Yeah. But there's no particular personally if I was Gacharo I would send River out to press very high up the pitch um, to, to attack at great pace early on because if River score one Warren E had to score four yeah, that's, that's not going to happen yeah but I expected I the same against Boca the, the second so. leg of the match and he didn't I mean he, he yeah but that's a it's a different game obviously yeah, yeah but uh, I, I was expecting Gajardo to, to try to score a goal and, and finish it and that, he didn't the other thing was that that match was on more of a knife edge because 2-0 it's without an away goal is a much more yeah, yeah, yeah. comfortable I agree um, but he has those options yeah try to score a goal or try to defend the lead but uh, I, I imagine uh, a, a, a team with the, of course he he might he he, he of course was much more com uh, comfortable with the uh, unsatisfied with the performance of the second half than for and the first yeah. one so I think that P.D. Martinez will go there. I, I, I don't understand how his thought has started. Instead of, yes, but he, he said that, he admitted he tried to control ball, the ball or the midfield with Lucho Gonzalez and then he realized it wasn't a good idea and had a good vision of changing that mm. and, and well, uh, it was like a bet with, uh, with, with P.D. Martinez who hasn't been as good as yesterday in other opportunities so. similar to Lodeiro actually started really? really well maybe not for quite as long as Lodeiro managed Gonzalez uh, Martinez was was very good for the first uh, three or four matches whereas Lodeiro continued for a, a little longer than that but it faded away afterwards and again like Lodeiro hasn't been bad but just hasn't quite kicked on in the way that, that a lot of fans were hoping um, is Carlos Tevez considered a top 10 player is Roberto's other question we've already had Fede saying he's top 5 in the world I'm personally not sure I'd go with top 5 but certainly top 10 Definitely yes top maybe I, I would say top 5 last season and then this oh yeah yeah on, on form season. certainly yeah. anyone, anyone else top 10 for sure yeah yes, top, yes of this season he's clearly top 5 far too good for the Argentine league as we already said and we'll, we'll see and also Roberto says will an Argentine football personality give you a new intro in the future uh, it depends on our listeners, really, or well, or indeed on us. If we can get anybody to, we'll be more than happy to. Um, but yeah, I don't do many interviews, so I can't really get any. Uh, Liam Kelly, who is no relation to me, says a few transfers which you didn't mention last week: Enrique Triverio to Toluca. That's a very big loss for Union, and thank you for reminding us, Liam. And Luciano Becchio to Belgrano, which got overlooked at the time. Ex Leeds striker. Um, and could be a very good one for Belgrano once he starts playing because I don't think he's featured for them uh, at the weekend um, Liam also says chances of uh, Franco Servi going to Europe next year he, he's a very good a very promising player I, I don't know if he's going next year but uh, he will sooner or later like Tevez eventually yeah he has a good future ahead of him if you're young and from Rosario and are attacking midfielder basically at the moment, then there's a very good chance that you're going to be uh, swept up. Rosario continues to deliver good 
very good players. Yes, they've got quite a pedigree for it. Some bloke recently is doing quite well at the moment in Europe who I can't put my can't yeah. quite place. Um, Liam also <laughs> says poor showing from River against Tempelo, but were much better last night, i.e. against Guarani. Especially second half, job done. And last one, notice the article that you... I think it means me. Oh, yeah, yes, he does mean me. Uh, the article that I did on Lancini signing for West Ham, which was an interview, in fact, a Q&A that I did with a West Ham fan um, blog called The Irons Circle, I think they're called. Um, is he someone who can get into the national team? Uh, no. No. Is the short answer. Um, as I said in that article, I think Lanzini is he's not a bad player. He didn't really put any in any bad performances for River but he also didn't put in any truly fantastic performances or grab any games by the balls at any point and drag River through on his own um, he could improve certainly and we know nothing about him except that he scored a, a very good uh, Olympic goal uh, in the United Arab Emirates and that, yeah. that was all we know from him is that, that he scored an Olympic goal He's clearly an able player. I think he, yeah. he can improve, but he's going to, especially in the, in, in the Premier League, he's going to need to get up to speed very quickly with the pace of the game there and um, in, in order to press on. Maybe not so much the physicality, because the Argentine Primera is, is a very physical league itself, but the, certainly the, the speed that the Premier League's played at is much greater. Um, but in the national team, I, I don't see him as an international, no. really, to be yeah, honest. No, no. Um, and Phil Carney asks, tell us about Gonzalo Castellani. Lanusa about to sign him on loan, and I know virtually nothing about him. He he was okay. The 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 bare few showings he had for Boca. He hasn't played very much. For no, not very much. He was okay. <coughs> I mean, uh, he was very good at Godoy Cruz. He was transferred to Villarreal for a couple million euros. So mm. He did very well at Godoy Cruz. He didn't have much chance. Much so many chances. Chance, <laughs> chances at Boca and. Um, if if he can get into the starting eleven in Banus, I think he'll, he'll do okay. This he's a fine one, player. It's a, he's, he's got a good long shot on him as well. Which yeah, very good uh, long shot and crossing too. Uh, he played the game against Independiente. He he's the one uh, who who kicked the corner kick that uh, ended in Bordizos' goal oh, okay. uh, a couple of months ago. But he's the, I think he's the kind of players that could do a decent uh, play in, at, for Boca, but they will do much better in yeah, a, a, in a, small a team like, like, like Lanús, right. where he will have a continuous play. Yeah, and maybe they, they can build a team, I wouldn't say around him, but uh, looking mm. to give the ball to him, and that, that was never going to happen at Boca. Mm. Uh, Phil's other question is, has Argentina seen many, or indeed any, transfer sagas worth knowing about, such as Raheem Sterling's controversial move? from Liverpool to Manchester City. Argentina has obviously not seen any transfer sagas uh, that involve one player moving for £49 million after one half-decent season. Uh, he says, as a Manchester United fan, who may or may not be scoffing at both City and, and Liverpool there. Um, but major transfer sagas in Argentina? We've had a few players go from Boca to River or from yeah. River to Boca, but River to Boca not that many. Yeah, I guess Batistuta. No, they, they like our players, yeah, but no, not the fresh. other way around. I guess Batistuta <laughs> would be the the best example of a player. Yeah, but he, he was at River for six months and didn't really do much, and River basically yeah, let yeah, him go. Yeah, but he was from the Newell's uh, Academy, so yeah. he wasn't. Oh yeah, uh, he wasn't a youth product. But yeah, so there is, but Uruguayan. Yeah, the most known players are. Gareca and Ruscheri, who were playing for Boca, and Boca was having very tough years economically, mm. almost had to go bankrupt, and uh, they took profit of that situation, 
and went to River on a free contract and they are called traitors ever since. That was like 20 years ago. That, those are the... Yes, but known. lately there are more players that have... Uh, not that they moved from Boca Directly. to River, but they started at Boca and then when... Yeah, like Bartolo is the, the latest example. Right. Maidana has been great for River. Mm. And, uh, I'm, trying to th I'm sure that there's one player and I'm wondering whether it was Ugo Gatti who had played for both River and Boca and played a really significant number of matches for both of them as well. Because Ruggeri played Sergio Berti, but not uh, for Boca. Not Ruggeri not played 147 games for Boca, and then immediately moved to River and played 81 games for them. So that was actually significant. And most of the players who played for both, uh, you know, like Maidana, yeah. say, uh, who they had a spell in the middle. Michael the, yeah. the midfielder in yeah. the in the 90s or 80s. I think it was yeah. And Gatti, of course, never played for River. Himnasia were the other club who he played for for a significant amount of time, and also Union in between. Um, but I'm sure there was one who, who, who played for sort of a hundred plus matches for both teams, and I can't think about it. Um, but other controversial transfers from one Argentine Like two teams anyone? in Europe fighting over a player from down here? I can't recall. Something like that. I, I think that's. I'm amazed about that from, for some, from some players and some clubs, except for example in Italy, Pirlo going from Milan to Juventus, being a forever Milan player and then going to Juventus. That, that's impossible here. Well, also, say. we have a similar saga at the moment with De the whole De Gea thing with, for, for Real Madrid. Yeah. Was, I mean, it's nowhere near the, the same scale as, as Andrea Pirlo, but I was under the impression that David De Gea had grown up as a boyhood Atletico Madrid yeah. fan. So the fact that, okay, I can understand entirely that, that his Madrid. girlfriend wants to go back to Madrid, that he's not happy in, in England for whatever reason, and, and that he might want to go back to Madrid. This is not a bitter Manchester United fan talking. If he wants to go, then... You know, it's going to be a big loss to the team, but, but uh, I, I, I don't think there's any reason to keep him there against his will. But at the same time, I, I kind of think, if you really grew up as an Atletico fan, I get that once you become a player or a professional, so whoever plays your money, but you don't need more money. There are loads of other clubs in Europe who've got just as good a chance of winning trophies, you know, with you in the team as anyone else, yeah. and who'd be just as happy to take you. Why would you go to the one club you grew up hating more than any other? I, I don't understand yeah. that. Yeah, I, I don't understand it either. And it doesn't happen as much here. And uh, maybe in Europe it does. I remember Ashley Cole going from Arsenal to Chelsea. Maybe that's uh, well, they're not one the same, case. Nowhere near the same level of rivalry. Yeah, well, I don't know. It's a city rivalry. But, uh, they're yeah. in the same city, but I mean... Yeah. I, d I don't remember any other big cases in England uh, about that. The other point is that everybody in England thinks Ashley Cole is a complete and total. Yeah, that may be why I remember him. Davis, as indeed seems seen from what I hear, anyway, the opinion of From United City, maybe. Davis and from United City, which was, I think, the only case, or at least I know, that a, a team from England booing or. or uh, whistling at, at a player, player, Argentinian player, because they, he moved from from their rivals. Yeah. It's not very common. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, we also had a question by email from David Ellingham, uh, a reminder that people can email in questions either via the Handapod contact form, which I mentioned a few minutes ago, or to me personally on Sam at Don't be shy and tweet them. No, no, sure, but if you haven't got a Twitter account, then feel free to email. And David's question, which I'm only reading now for the first time, is, whilst young players can be inconsistent, I've generally been impressed when I've seen Mauricio Tevez. Oh, the second Another question to, to talk about Mauricio Tevez. What's the opinion of him in Argentina, and has there been any speculation on his future? 
none of us read the Rosario newspapers, that's the first all. thing to say. And they're going to talk about it a lot more than the Buenos Aires papers do. Um, but as we've already said, we think he's a cracking little player. I remember a goal he scored against Boca in the, the Mamonera. I think that was his... Was it his debut or his second uh, match? I don't think it's but his first goal was a fantastic goal. We talked fantastic about it goal. here when yeah. he scored it, yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, by and large, very promising player, I think. And, and as we've already said, he's going to go to Europe at some point. Also, Sunday, David says, was the first time I've seen Daniel Mancini. Do you have any information on him? Okay. I don't know where he plays. Well, Mancini? I'm going to Google him now because I admit to not having seen every match. I'm actually Wikipedia-ing him, and he doesn't have a Wikipedia page yet, so that's not very helpful. Mancini footballista into Google comes up. It's a trick question. Well, according to Google, he plays for Chacarita Juniors, which can't be right. Oh, he's Newell's as well. Um, Didn't notice him. No, not at all. Sorry, David. Uh, Ask us again next week and we'll look out for him. Uh, But the short answer to your question is no. Uh, also, hopefully, Newell's continue to play as they did against Racing, as they were a real pleasure to watch. I think we can all get on board at least with that sentiment. And now, it's that time of the evening, ladies and gents, where Mystic Sam comes along uh, through the ceiling, bursting in and telling us what to bet our pocket money on this coming weekend. So don't go away. Duliante's one on penalties. Six five. Thank you for that, Johnny. I was not looking at the screen when the shootout was decided. <coughs> thanks for putting us in. Um, oh, there's now another one starting shortly because Himasia now play Union de Santa Fe. And also, the Libertadores. It starts at half past apparently. I thought oh, it was on the hour as well, but uh, I think it's ten o'clock actually. Oh really? Yes, because of the of the yeah, some Mexican. So popular. Oh, they're playing in Mexico or not? Uh, I'm not sure, but yeah. it's the that same. The Brazil, the Brazilian team. Yeah. It's the, they, they play. Yeah. A, no, they play. They no play. Yeah. Anyway, here we go. 15 matches this weekend, and they're going to go as follows: San Lorenzo versus Arsenal de Sarandí is going to be the San Lorenzo win. That is the second place team against the second bottom team in the league of 13. So who knows? Uh, Belgrano away to Banfield is going to be a draw. Atletico de Rafaela at home to River Plate, I think is going to be a River win, but bear in mind that River are playing a reserve team in that one, so don't bet too heavily on it. Boca Juniors against Quilmes is going to be a Boca win, I don't think Quilmes are going to spoil Tavis' return. Defensa Justicia versus Nueva Chicago is a Defensa Justicia win. Colón de Santa Fe against Lanús is a Lanús win. Olimpo versus Aldo City is... An Aldo City victory. Racing versus Sarmiento de Junín is a Racing win. Crucero del Norte against Estudiantes, I think, is a draw. Uh, Tempele versus Independiente is also a draw. Tigre against New Old Boys is another draw. But probably one of the better maps of the weekend, that one, despite the fact that I'm going for it to finish all square. Uh, Rosario Central against Vélez Southfield, I think, is a Central win. San Martín de San Juan against Huracan is a draw and probably quite a bad one. Gimnasia against Godoy Cruz is also a draw. And Argentinos Juniors against Union de Santa Fe is another draw. So 
Last week I only went for two draws, and last week, by the way, I got, I think, a 9 out of 15, which I was quite happy with. Um, this week I seem to have gone for quite a lot of draws. Does anybody have any particular um, disagreements with them? Or? You, have, you have to say sorry that uh, uh, the, this round will be on, uh, played again on Saturday because on Saturday there are another election. Another election. Well, well, there, are no, there are no matches in, in Capital Federal yes, on so, Sunday because of uh, the ballotage in the city elections that we mentioned a couple of weeks ago. But, but there are going to be... So basically, the Boca Quilmes... San Lorenzo against whoever they're playing and it's only one of the other matches. Yeah. Um Hang on a second. Let me get it up on the uh, full list here. So San Lorenzo play Arsenal on Friday. Uh, Boca play Quilmes on Saturday because of the elections. River play Atletico Rafael on Saturday because uh, of River's Copa Libertadores involvement. So this is a very rare again. weekend where neither River nor Boca no no River away to, to Rafaela, but because they're in the Libertadores on Tuesday, they play yeah, on Saturday. So this is a very rare weekend where neither River nor Boca play on Sunday. Um, and Would then can, the other match in the Primera is Argentinos Juniors against ah. Union, which is on Monday night. Um, so no matches in Buenos Aires this coming Sunday, but of course uh, the ones that are close what, what by Tigre, the, in Greater Buenos is, Aires, and Tesla. It's, it's uh, near Victoria, where Tigre plays, is quite near than. Capital Federal. I was th- I, I was thinking, what if uh, there there is a player living in Buenos Aires and they, he has to vote, and at the same time play the. Oh right. Yeah. Well, well, I guess he's gonna have to vote in the morning, yeah. right? Yes. Yeah. Or at <laughs> night. I don't know how late the, the polls stay open here, yeah. actually. But in, in in England, the polls stay open until about ten o'clock in most places at night. Right, so. uh, six p.m. Wow. Yeah. Of course, because that's when you can start drinking again. I should have known that. <laughs> As a foreigner living in Buenos Aires, the only time the elections really affect me are, are drinking hours on Saturday and Sunday. Um, anyway, ladies and gents, thank you very much indeed for listening to Hand the Pod. Thank you very much to the Argentina Independent for sponsoring us as ever paying for our alcohol. You can read them for free on argentinaindependent.com. They are a fine source of English language news and current affairs and lots of other things from Argentina and across Latin America. And for now, it's thank you very much indeed. Um, for being involved from Fede thank you for Fede, having me thank you for having me uh, and to Johnny thanks Sam hope you've enjoyed your here. first time and well hopefully I'll have both of you back uh, before too much longer thanks to Andres thank you as always and no doubt I'll see you again next week fingers crossed to celebrate River's place in the Libertadores final for the first <coughs> time in 19 years and thank you and good night from me goodbye